It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. So many of the quilt shop owners I've talked to share that they don't get to make the quilts themselves much anymore. But I am so impressed with Sheila Squires that she makes it a priority to take time to quilt. She is very involved with the community and you'll be amazed at how many quilts these quilters in Seward, Alaska are making. Sheila, it's so great to have you on A Quilter's Life. On the cruise that Guthrie and I went on, we did the land tour and the cruise. And between the land tour and cruise, we stopped in Seward, Alaska, and we got to come to your shop. It was so fun to meet you there. Thank you. It was fun to have you here, too. They had taken us to the Alaskan Sea Life Center just down the street from you. So as other people in the tour visited there, we got to walk down the block and just see your store. Do you get a lot of tourists coming from the Sea Life Center? Yes, we do. We're kind of separated from the harbor, and so there's really two specific areas of town. So a lot of people come in to the downtown area just to go to the Sea Life Center. So it's always good to get visitors from there. I didn't mention to you when I was on the tour bus that day, I found out there was actually another quilter on the bus. And so I was like, and I'm going to this quilt shop. So after we came and saw you, that lady I had just met that day, she and her husband had to run down and see your shop too. Well, that's great. We get actually a lot of referrals from the free shuttle that runs around town in the summer because it's local drivers. So they know a little bit more about the town. And so they point people to different businesses based on their interests. So that's always a good resource too. Mm -hmm. And it's such a cute little downtown area. Yeah, we're pretty small. Year-round residents, we only have 2,800 and about another 2,700 that live on the outskirts of the city. So we are a pretty small rural area, but we have a lot going on in this small town. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump back to your background. Share with us where you were born and raised. I was born and raised in a town called Ipswich in England. And then I came to the States many years ago after I met my husband, who was stationed over there for a while. And I've pretty much been in the United States ever since. When you first came over from England, did you go straight to Alaska or did you come to the lower 48? We were in the lower 48 on the East Coast and spent most of the time in the lower 48, kind of on the eastern side of the country. And then we got stationed in Alaska and we've been here ever since. Just fell in love with it or... Was it just the job kept you there? No, my husband really fell in love with it here, especially after we moved down here to Seward from Fairbanks because of the mountains and the scenery. It's just spectacular down here. So, mm-hmm. and a little warmer than Fairbanks. <laughs> <laughs> Share a special childhood memory. 
I grew up in a large town over there, but every neighborhood was its own community. And pretty much everybody in that neighborhood knew everybody else. And so I think the closeness of that small town feel of going to school all my life with the same people and growing up around the same people and having that camaraderie was probably one of the best things about growing up over there. Thinking about that close-knit community, that must have made it extra hard to leave and come to the United States. Yes and no. Once I got out into the workforce, I kind of moved into different areas and different things. And so I made new friends and did some different stuff. So, I mean, there are a few people that I kept in touch with for a lot of years, but unfortunately, a lot of those are not with us anymore. So it's always fun to go back and I enjoy visiting. But this has been my home for so long now that I'm comfortable here. Now, other than your quilt shop, have you had employment elsewhere? Yes, I worked for the city of Seward. I've worked in a lot of different industries, food service. Food service was a lot of the years. And then when I came here and I went to work for the city of Seward, and then I bought the quilt store when I retired. Yes, so much for retirement, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Someday I'll do it again, but I'm still having too much fun with doing this. And until I either can't or it's no longer fun, then uh, I'll continue. Yeah. You mentioned that your husband's job brought you down from Fairbanks down to Seward? Yeah, he was in the fire service and he did that at home on the East Coast in the military and then down here. And he retired from that with almost 40 years of service in the fire department and then continued as a volunteer for a few years and just retired fully about a year and a half ago with 50 years of fire service. Wow. I bet you wonder where those years went to sometimes. Yeah, we made a lot of friends along the way and we still keep in touch with a lot of them and people that we were stationed with in England, we still keep in touch with. They're kind of scattered across the country, so we don't get to see them very often, but we have a lot of good memories. Yeah. Sheila, is there anything else about your family that you wanted to share with us? I enjoy spending time with my grandkids when I can get to see them. One of them lives a little ways away. The other one lives here, so I get to spend a little bit more time with him. But we just are a busy family. All of us are either working and my grandson's in sports and my daughter is a swim coach as well as her full-time job. So, you know, everybody's kind of on the go most of the time. If you had the opportunity to talk to your great-great-great-grandchildren, what would you want them to know about you and or what would you like to say to them? I would just tell them that we tried to make a good life through hard work and honesty and that I would hope that they would be able to do the same. Just wish them well in their future endeavors. Besides quilting, are there other crafts or hobbies that you do or have done in the past? I've tried a lot of different ones. I learned to knit at a very young age 
my mom and sister were both knitters and my aunt was the one who actually taught me how to do that. But it's not something that I enjoy as much as they do. I've done some beading and I've tried different stuff, but uh, quilting has always been the one that has stuck with me, I think, because I can see a faster result. And I enjoy gardening. When I hear gardening and I think of the English gardens, I'm wondering if that's where your love of gardening came from. Well, we always had a garden. My mom was the flower person. My dad was the vegetables and fruits and stuff. And he pretty much grew everything that we needed. We raised chickens, so we never bought eggs. They were meat when they became too old to lay or whatever. So, yeah, I probably got that through family. And it's kind of a survival thing that you grow up with over there. And it's part of life. When we were traveling up there this past summer up in Alaska, I noticed how huge the foliage as we were driving by. So I looked it up and it said something about things grow larger because you have so much more sun, even though your growing season is short. That was interesting to me. Yeah. By the middle of June at summer solstice, we are pretty much 24 hours of daylight. So the sun never really fully sets for a while there. And it does help with growing fruits and vegetables and foliage of any kind tend to grow a little bit faster. A lot of the root vegetables, especially in fruit, are able to get through to the seasons fast enough to produce. And so we have some pretty good size vegetables and stuff up here. A lot of our fruits grow wild, blueberries, salmon berries. You can pick those during season and you're competing a little bit with the bears sometimes, but you know, you have to be very careful. It's a different growing season, but it's workable. It's so interesting. Now with them growing faster, does that affect the taste of them? No, no, it doesn't. A lot of people do a lot of container gardening up here because sometimes in certain areas, there'll be a temperature difference. Well, like for instance, in town and six miles out the road, there can be a 10 degree temperature difference. And depending on the amount of trees around, if they don't get enough sunlight, so the ground doesn't always warm up enough. So container gardening is a big one for a lot of people up here. It's so interesting. Thanks for explaining that to me. No problem. Do you think any of your hobbies show up in your quilting? Yeah, I do. And I think the living environment shows up in it too because of the colors and the scenery and just life in general up here. We get a lot of sunshine in the summer and we get a fair amount of rain too. Our winters can be very snowy. So the scenery is always different. And so the colors are very important in my quilting. And I like to experiment, I guess, sometimes with my quilting. And I do a lot of scrap quilting. So I'm not afraid to put colors together that may or may not work for somebody else. I like to build my quilts from scratch and use whatever I have on hand. With scrap quilting, 
if you do a lot of scrap quilting, do you end up using scraps from other people or are they usually scraps that you have had left over from other quilts? They're usually scraps that I have left over from other quilts, ends of bolts that are not enough really to make into a workable quarter yard or whatever. So I take a lot of those and use those. We do a lot of charity projects, community projects here. We have a program that we've been doing since November of 2019 of quilts for veterans, but we chose to do it for veterans in our local area. So the Seward area quilters do this. And to date, we've given out 240 quilts to our local vets. And that has all been done by donation and with a little bit of help from a couple of organizations in the community to buy some of the supplies. We also do quilts for homebound seniors. And so a lot of the scraps get used into those. We just started that program this past summer. And I think we're up to about 40, between 40 and 50 quilts that we've given out so far. And then we also do baby welcome wagon quilts. We have done projects where we've raised money with quilts for the fire department, for Boy Scouts in the past. So pretty much when people will bring a project to us or a fundraiser to us, and we will do whatever we can to donate something to that. So it's a pretty active community and pretty active quilting group here in town. That's amazing with As small as your community is, how much you've been able to put out into the community. That's just wonderful. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing small community. We kind of depend on each other. We have to. Our next nearest big city is 130 miles away. So when something happens, the people in the town generally rally around to do whatever is needed to be done. That was another thing that struck me as we visited up there. I was glad that I got to visit quilt shops and talk to local people instead of just the tourist places and find out that, in a way, it's really frontier living. Yes, the road can get closed off. We have one main road that comes into town, and there are areas along that road that are prone to avalanches or just weather so severe you don't want to be out on the road. There's also spots where cell phones don't work. So you have to learn to live with the state. And the city of Seward is three square miles itself. And once you get out beyond about mile 10 outside the city limits, then you're into National Park, the Chugach National Forest. And that pretty much goes all the way to Portage. And once you get off road, you're out in the wild and you have to respect it and know where you're going, what you're doing, and to let somebody know where you're going to be at. Because if not, there are places where people don't know where you're at. So it can be very challenging at times. Wow. Until you stop and really think about all that, you just have no idea. We don't deal with that down here in Ohio. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
We have wildlife around too. I mean, it's not uncommon, and I live inside city limits, for me to have moose in my yard or a bear or a coyote, sometimes even a wolf. This morning, driving into work by the grocery store and a mother moose and her baby crossed the road right in front. So you have to be cognizant of that too when you're driving around because a moose is as big as a horse and can do a lot of damage if you hit one. Yeah. Just so amazing. Who introduced you to quilting or how did you start to quilt? Well, I tried to do it by myself many years ago and I wasn't getting very far. And so I kind of put it off to the side for a while. And then when I started working at the city, there was a gal that was working with me there and she was teaching quilting. So I went to some of her classes and I pretty much haven't stopped since. And it's been about 40 years now. Wow. Do you remember what project you made when you took that class? I know it was one that she did with partial seams, and I still to this day am not a fan of partial seams. <laughs> so <laughs> we have done so many projects together over the years that, yeah, it's kind of hard to remember what some of our first ones were. Do you happen to have a favorite quilt? I love anything that's done paper pieced because of the precision, especially with points and. It's not probably one of my favorite things to do, but I love the results. So I take it you've done some Judy Niemeyer quilts? I have. And they're not ones that I'm anxious to pick up doing anytime soon. I have all the patterns and maybe at some point when I retire, I'll think about doing another one. But it's something that I feel you kind of have to concentrate very hard on. and. The kind of time that it takes is not in my schedule right now. Mm -hmm. How about a tool that you are just so thankful that we have now? Rotary cutters. Cutting out with scissors was not fun. The accuracy that you can get with a basic ruler and a rotary cutter and the many different shapes that you can cut and combine to make different shapes with those two tools is probably endless. And so I am not a big fan of buying every tool on the market unless it has more than one use. Because to me, I can go broke buying all those specialty tools when you can actually do most of it with a basic tool. In making a quilt, there are so many steps in different parts of the process. Do you like one step better than the others or do you like each step along the way? I like picking the fabrics probably the most and the imagination of what it's going to look like because a lot of times I don't use patterns. I like to take the fabrics and build as I go. Yeah, the picking of the fabrics is probably the most favorite for me. And second, right behind that would be seeing the end result. Yeah, I love laying out what I think it's going to look like. It's fun. Share your worst quilting experience. Hmm. 
I think the worst one for me is putting a lot of effort into something and then giving it to somebody and they're very nonchalant and blasé about it. You kind of feel like sometimes you want to take it back. Other than that, I don't really have any bad experience as far as making something. If I don't think it's going to look right, I'm not opposed to cutting it up and doing something else with it. So I don't really have any bad quilts out there. I think it's just the non-appreciation sometimes of the amount of work we put into a quilt and that people don't appreciate it or understand the cost involved in making a quilt. Yeah, that would be mine. Yeah, I think that's a common one. Yeah, it is. What do you think has drawn you to making quilts rather than spending your time doing anything else in the world? I find that it's relaxing. If I want a mindless project and my mind is not into doing an intricate pattern, then I have no problem picking up a box of scraps of squares and putting them together, strips and making string quilts or just getting the blocks done to kind of clear my mind to get ready for something else. So for me, it's a relaxation technique. Who do you usually make your quilts for? I make them for family. I make them for friends. And obviously I do a lot of charity quilts. I also do a lot of the long arming for the charity quilts. So yeah, it goes the full gamut. It's not just for family, it's for friends and community. Are you working on a project right now? Yeah, we've got more community quilts to do for the seniors. And we have more veteran quilt because that's two ongoing programs. And I always have probably 30 projects on the go, whether it be shop samples or quilts that I'm doing for family. And so... I don't really always work on one project from beginning to end before I start another one. I have a lot of irons in the fire. I think that's the majority of quilters tend to have more than one project going on at a time. I'm in the other side of that, that if I get more than one going, I can't figure out what I need to do next. So it's best for me to do one, but it's interesting how we work differently. Well, I think a lot of it comes from most of the jobs that I've had. I've always had to multitask. And so I always have a lot of things going on at once. So for 25 years, I worked in the public safety arena. As a dispatcher, I had to do a lot of things at once because we covered everything, fire, police, ambulance, water rescue. So you had a lot of things going, and so you had to be constantly changing from one to the other. That kind of carries over into a lot of things, and especially my quilting. Can you describe your sewing space? At home, I have a room above the garage. It's a barn-shaped roof, so there's not as much wall space as I would like to have, but it is a good size space, and so I can keep pretty much most of my sewing stuff all in one place, and it makes it a little bit easier to work with. I have a couple of machines up there, sewing machines, not long arms, because 
one long arm would take over the space. But at the shop, I have two long arm machines and several sewing machines too. But I do a lot of repairs and mending in the winter for people too. So I have several different machines that I work with all the time. Again, that multitasking for you. Mm-hmm. Share a quilting tip. Starch. I think starch is the biggest thing for people, whether you pre-wash your fabric or not. And that's kind of a personal choice. Reds, blues, dark colors. Sometimes I do pre-wash those or test them to see how fast the dyes are, because no matter the quality of the fabric, sometimes that is necessary. But I always like to use starch because I think it gives you more precision and it makes it easier for cutting and sewing for people, especially those starting out learning how to quilt. Because not all fabrics are made the same. No. And that's interesting. I knew that would help with cutting, but you mentioned it helps with sewing also. Yeah, because the more precise your cutting is, the easier it is to keep to the quarter inch or a consistent seam. There are a lot of tools out there now for sewing machines with the quarter inch foot with the guide on them, or you can get guides that you can attach to your machine to help you with that quarter inch. But, you know, if your fabric doesn't stay nicely together when you're sewing, it doesn't matter how many of those tools you have, your seams are going to be off. And so the starch, I feel, helps that because it keeps the fabric stiffer and easier to hold in place. Interesting. I think you mentioned this, but describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby and you bought the shop and it became a business for you. I actually worked part-time for the shop for about five years before I retired from the city. and. The owner was looking to sell and move out of state because of family. So the opportunity came up for me to be able to buy the store. And so it was kind of a natural transition, really, from retirement to running a store. I never really took any time off. I think I might have had a week. But, you know, I went from pretty much one to the other. I'm having fun in having the store. I enjoy what I do, and I enjoy helping people to get involved in quilting. And so it's a good retirement. Was So and Be Cozy the name of the store when you purchased it, or did you rename it? It was the name of the store when I purchased it. The owner had bought it seven years prior from somebody else, and it was originally Seward Sewing Center. And then she changed it to the Sew and Be Cozy. So I bought the name and all of the stuff that went along with that. I also noticed when I was up there that Alaska has artists that create fabric just for Alaska shops. And you had some of those in your shop. Yes, there are several fabric companies that work with our local Alaska artists. 
Don Garrity, Lisa Moore, Yvonne Zerbitz. Oh, and John Van Zyl is another big one. They have taken their artwork and transferred that over to lines of fabric. And so we get fairly regularly different lines of fabric that are made just for us. In the beginning, has done one this year. Benetex is doing one this year. Northcott, trying to think of all the other ones that are doing it. Clothworks. So we have a whole new range of Alaskan fabrics that are based on artists' work this year. Barbara Lavalli is another one. She is more of a native-style artist, and her lines feature the native people. I don't know when I'm going to get a break in my schedule, but I'm looking forward to making my Alaskan quilt with the fabrics I purchased while on that trip. Yeah, the other one that does it for us, too, is Hoffman Fabrics. They have a line of batiks that we have to order once a year and get enough for the entire year. And we have a couple of quilts here in the shop that are based just on those fabrics. And so one of them takes 49 different prints of Alaskan animals and sea life it's based on 49 fabrics for the 49th state. And then the other one is the Stars of Alaska, which we have a twin size and we have a queen size one in that features those fabrics. But that one is pretty much done based on the state flag, which is navy and gold. And we have the Big Dipper, which is on our state flag in that quilt, done with star blocks. So We have a couple of exclusives that we carry in the shop. How fun. It was so exciting to get to look at those and know that that was the only place I was going to get to see them. Yeah, and it's a good selling feature too, you know, because people are looking for something that is out of the ordinary and not like everybody else has. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I have down here, how did you feel when someone first came into your shop but you had been doing it for five years already. So was there a difference in thought when someone made a purchase from you after you owned the shop? Yes and no. A lot of the regular customers stuck with me. A lot of them have come and gone over the years too, uh, moved out or different things. But it's always nice to see a new quilter come in or somebody that's just getting in or has never been in the shop before because they're usually pretty amazed at how much stuff we have in the shop for such a small town. We have a pretty large inventory here. I cover the basics, not just Alaska fabrics, but basics for the locals. And obviously in the summer, tourism is a big part of the business too. So I'm like everybody else. I have to rely on tourism to help me get through the winter, but it's always nice. I enjoy it. And talking to people from all over the world. And that reminds me of your grandson. We got to meet your grandson helping you in your shop when we were there. How exciting for him to talk to people all around the world. Yeah. And he loves to talk to people. There isn't a stranger for him. He can always talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime. And so he calls himself my greeter for the shop. He'll help pick out fabrics, show them where they can find different fabrics. And he really enjoys doing that. So it's fun to have him in the shop. 
before we started chatting, you had mentioned that you were having a sew day. Now, was that at your shop or do you all meet somewhere else? No, unfortunately, I don't have room at the shop to do those much anymore. So the Seward Area Quilters actually meet every Tuesday. Right now at the Hotel 360, they have given us a room to use to do our quilting and community projects. We also do three or four retreats in the winter. We use a room at the rec camp here that we'll spend three or four days doing a retreat there. Some people stay there, some people don't. And then every other Sunday, we have the use of the community room at the local nursing home where we also do some Sunday sews for people that work during the week so that we can still all get together. So it's pretty active. So that's how you get all those quilts done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dedicated sewing time sometimes is necessary, especially for me, because there's too many other things I can get sidetracked on and not get done what I want to get done. Now, a common theme that I tend to hear from quilt shop owners is that they don't get to sew like they thought they would get to owning the quilt shop. But it sounds like you have etched out time and you still are able to make quilts. Yes. You know, if I try to do it at the shop, that does not always work because I have the long arm or I'm mending or obviously taking care of customers. So for me, getting dedicated time to do some sewing is important for me. One nice thing is that one of the companies now does pre-printed quilts on a new line of fabric. So I don't have to take the time to finish the quilt. All I have to do is quilt something to hang it so people can see what it would look like at the end. And that's a big plus to me for shop owners, because unless you have somebody who makes all your samples or you farm it out to somebody to make those samples, you don't always have the time because there's a lot involved in running a shop. So having dedicated time for those projects that don't come pre-printed is important. And so a lot of times on the group sewing time, that's what I'm doing. I'm making store samples. You fit it in wherever you can. You mentioned the long arming. Now, was long arming part of the store before you purchased it or did you begin that? I added that to the store about six years ago. I generally have pretty good turnaround time, usually less than a month because I don't take on too much or overwhelm myself, but I can usually get everything out within a month. Was there a learning curve with that? There was. A few of us here in the local area had bought long arm machines, not to do it commercially. Most of them did it for themselves, but we all had kind of the same machine. So we got together and we went down to a place in Utah that developed this particular machine. And we took a four-day class down there not so much for the machine, but for the computerized part of it. I am not a doodler, so I do not do much in the way of free motion. Most of mine is computerized. So 
we took that time and learned that. And then we were able to build from that, doing more and more with the system. When people hear that it's computerized, they don't necessarily realize how much math or how much detail you still have to put into it to make it look right on the quilt. I tend to pick the designs unless somebody has a specific design they want based on what is in the quilt or who it's for. So those are questions that I ask at the time. And then, yes, you do have to figure out, you know, the size of the design and how to make it fit to the length of the quilt and the width of the quilt, how it's going to look, the color of thread. I don't just use one color of thread. I match the thread to the backing and I match the thread to the top. And I use a lot of variegated threads, too. So, yeah, there's quite a bit involved in it. Well, Sheila, is there anything else about your business that you wanted to share? Well, I'm hope to be able to continue for quite a while. And I look forward to seeing everybody that comes into the shop. And hopefully I have something that they can take away. And it's a good memory. We have, like I said, a wide range of product, pre-cuts and notions and threads and stuff. Pretty much try to have a little bit of everything that everybody wants. and. Hopefully we achieve that. Now, we know your business is in Seward, Alaska, but if someone wanted to look you up online, where would they find you? Right now, probably on Facebook. My website went down and I have to find some time to rebuild it. I'm hoping to do that this winter or maybe even to find somebody that can help me do that. But I do a lot of going back and forth with people if they're looking for something in particular of telling me what they want. And I will go back and forth with pictures and try to help them get what they need in the meantime while the website is down. And on Facebook, they need to look up Sew and Be Cozy. That's correct. And that's S-E-W-N-B-E-E-C-O-Z-Y? Correct. Well, I hope that if people are planning a trip to Alaska and they get to go to Seward, they need to find your shop because it was so much fun to come in and visit you. Thank you. It was fun to have you. And like I said, we look forward to everybody that comes to Alaska. We have some amazing scenery, activities, and quite a few quilt stores. Some of them are not on the road system. So the only way you can get there is by boat or plane. But those taking cruises generally get to see a lot more of those. And every shop is different. So it's a neat experience because we all do something different. And I did make a little one minute video of your shop. So if people want to take a look at that, it's on my Facebook page and my Instagram. So they can take a look. At the Sew and Be Cozy Quilt Shop little video on A Quilter's Life. Thanks. Well, Sheila, it was so much fun to visit with you again. Thank you so much for sharing with me on A Quilter's Life. Thank you. And I really appreciate you doing this. And it was fun visiting with you again. And I hope we get to do it sometime again soon. And thank you for everything. Uh huh. Goodbye. Bye bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com 
or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.